So who's who? Who is this right here coming up with me? Come, this, come right on up. These fine people, starting out with, is Kennedy Lynn, the wonderful, amazing daughter, uh-huh. and uh, diver and student and wonderful person. And with her in her entourage is the CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Kalamazoo, Mr. Matt Lynn, who also has been around here for about 25 years, ministering to to students and high school and adults, because Matt has an understanding that whether he is working in an office or walking down the street, um, young people mean the world to him, because they mean the world to God, and so... They have a message for us together, and so I didn't know you were going to say that part of well, it. So just a walking down the street, singing do I did it, did it, did it, do. I want him to write my bio for life. I know, right? <laughs> I think maybe the most, I mean, prestigious um, thing we could say about the two of you is you teach in our children's ministry, even currently, the two of you. So, so let's just say, amen to that. <laughs> Absolutely. You ready? Yeah, I guess so. Deep breath. Don't, don't have another <laughs> choice, so. Oh, good. <laughs> exactly. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, well, like Don said, my name is Matt Lynn, and this is my daughter and one of my best friends on the planet, Kennedy Lynn. Good morning, everyone. And, um, You know, I'm going to do my very best not to get weepy today just because it's, uh, it is so amazing to have an opportunity to be here with this one and for her to have her voice today heard and inspire and to bring a word truly from God that is a gift from God. You know, um, that's the things that we, all, we pray for as parents, that our children will grow in the way that they need to and, and knowing that they won't depart from that. So... It's an honor to be here today with her and with all of you to share a very special word. (laughs) So today, as Don talked about, we get the opportunity to expand on what's been the relationship series and talk about the relationships between community and youth. And so for the purposes of today, when we talk about community, I'm going to give you an opportunity to really consider what does the word community mean to you? So community really is a group of people together. That's what community is. So from that aspect, it could be your immediate family. It could be your expanded family. It could be the town you live in. Or if you think even on a bigger scale, it's global, our global community. So when we talk about what we're going to share with you today, think about it in terms of those levels of scale. And whatever makes most sense to you about how you see community and how you see the connection with young people into that particular body of community. So what we're going to share with you today are some elements that are important around supporting the idea of relationships between community and youth. And those elements include connection, communication, and consistency. Everybody okay with that? All right, well, let's get into it. All right, here we go. So Just to start with, how many people have either ever heard or used the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child? Probably everybody in this room at one point in time has uttered those words, right? And it's a beautiful, beautiful idea. It's a beautiful proverb. 
and a reality. It certainly does take a collective group in order to be able to raise a child. However, years ago when I started down my journey in youth development, I happened to be at a conference. And I heard a facilitator do the next thing that you don't always think about in that phrasing. And she was like, yes, you know what? It does take a village to raise a child. But what does it take for that village to be ready to take on the responsibility of raising that child? And from that, you heard people say, hmm, you're right. You know, we don't think about it that way. But it is true that we have to be ready. We have to be prepared as a community to take on the ultra-responsibility for nurturing and caring for and raising our children. So for me, it starts with this idea that there's this interesting dynamic that exists in life. And here's the dynamic that is such sometimes a rub, that we, as young people, spend so much time trying to be older, and then when we get older, what do we do? We spend a lot of time, what? Trying to reclaim our youth. So we're, unless you're maybe 10 or you're 75, in which you're good. You know, but how many 13-year-olds have midlife crisis, right? You know, or want to buy a Porsche. You know what? So here's the rub sometimes that exists. And what that does is that sometimes impacts our ability to be able to connect. Paul, in his letter to, Corinthian, to Corinth, said this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. And when I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood, and I put them behind me, right? So the notion being, there's a lot of truth in that idea. That when I'm a child, I think like a child. But when I'm an adult, I have to do things differently. Okay, so I'm not necessarily arguing with that one. But here's the, the deal. In terms of preparing for this, the thing that struck me is this. That don't put away the things of childhood so far that you can't get back to them. Because the notion being, and when we talk about connectiveness... What is it ultimately that we're looking for in child? Well, you know what? We spend so much time in our youth dealing with things simple. Simple terms. One plus one equals two. When we get older, however, we get into these complexities of life. And all of a sudden, one plus one doesn't equal two. And why? Because we add gray area. Well, 1.3, 1.7... So all of a sudden now, one doesn't always equal two. So now when you have young people who, as a community, want things simple, they want to engage simply. They don't want to engage complex. They want it simple. But for them, they start looking at us as adults and us that are the representative of the community sideways. And why? Because they don't get it. They don't get the 1.3, 1.7. They get the one plus one. That is the as a child. And if we're going to be effective as a community in terms of taking on the responsibility for rearing and nurturing our children, our youth, we have to remember that sometimes it's okay for one plus one to equal two. Follow me? So here's what young people ultimately want. Now, I happen to work for an organization, and in that organization we connect with maybe 1,500 young people a year. So I get a chance to really listen and understand the point of view for young people, as well as being in a home with them, who honestly, like this one, will tell me the stuff I need to know, right? But here's what it is that, you, that I can tell you. Young people want these things. Number one, they want to be able to connect to an adult. Number two, they want to have someone to tell them that they matter. And number three, they want to learn how to navigate 
life. Simple, right? Where it gets bunged up is us as adults because of the fact that we don't always necessarily see it that simple. We become barriers to those simplistic ideas. We want them, we just don't know always how to get there. And again, because of the fact that we have pushed our childhood so far away, we can't get back to it. So the challenge is, how do I reflect on that? How do I connect into that? Well, in that, and Ryan read it, I will say this is probably the, the one scripture that challenges me constantly, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bears good fruit. And the challenging thing to me is this. For every tree is known by its fruit. And sometimes I don't want my fruit to be known by my tree because it means, you know what, there's a mirror up, right, that's reflecting on me that at those times when I'm like, why do you have to be that way? I got to look at it and be like, well, that's my fruit. So something's telling me about my tree. So the notion being as a community, here's a question. What type of tree are we? Are we a tree that bears good fruit? Are we a tree that bears bad fruit? That really truly is the ultimate evaluative question for us. And we don't have to necessarily go too far. Sometimes we just can look around and see what's happening with our young people to be able to answer that if we truly open our eyes and be ready to get the response. The number two being we have to embrace the opportunity. We can't embrace fear in this because fear is the enemy, right, in terms of opportunity. So we have to come into this in love and in understanding and a readiness to be that community as well. So our Heavenly Father deals with us this way. Our Heavenly Father doesn't deal with us in complexities. He deals with us simple. How blessed are we that he actually deals with us simple? He gives us that model. So now in turn, it's us that have to model that back to our young people. What do you think, Kennedy? Am I speaking truth or am I way off? No, I think you're right. I think you're speaking (laughs) the truth. So what's your thoughts about this topic? Well, I'm talking about communication. And honestly, personally, I think that communication is the number one priority in any relationship you have, whether it's with adults, other kids, peers. Communication is always important. And I want to read a verse with you guys from Proverbs 319. It says, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. And I think this verse really represents what communication is because if you go into a communication relationship and you are not showing wisdom or knowledge and you're not willing to share that with someone, I feel like the communication aspect isn't isn't there. It's not going to click with you because you're not putting that effort forward towards that relationship. Um, I think communication is super important because it shows that you care. I think communication is important because it also, it can show a sense of healthy boundaries and what you agree with and how it works in your mind. And it builds trust. Um, these three things, I think, are super important in any relationship you have, um, with, especially with, like, caring. Um, if you have that sense of caring in a relationship, it's gonna, everything else is going to follow with it. If you feel cared for and loved and 
everything is going to come with it, like the trust and the boundaries. And when you communicate with someone, you're able to share that with them. And you're able to share what things make you feel a certain way. I know with me and my parents, we tend to clash heads a lot, but I have learned over the years of growing up that I just have to communicate with them and tell them what, why some things they say make me feel a certain way or why I get angry because they said this. And it just, it builds trust in our relationship because it's, we're able to work together to like, to make, (laughs) to make things click and to make things better for everyone. Um, I would like to read another verse from Proverbs. It's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Um, and always acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Our prayer life is super important. And I've struggled in my life with prayer. And I know that it kind of can feel like it's something you have to do in private. And that people can't know that you're praying. But... God doesn't say worship me in private. God tells you to worship him everywhere and to be in that loving relationship with him and communicating with him. Because in my life, I know when I didn't have a relationship with God and when I was at my worst that I didn't, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel God working in me. I didn't feel anything because I wasn't communicating with God. I wasn't praying to God. I wasn't showing God that I love him and that I care for him. And because of that, it really affected my mental health, my physical health, and the way I just felt about myself in general. And that's because I didn't feel God. Now, I have grown a lot. And if you know my testimony, you know that I have been through a lot of crap in my life. Like, a lot, a lot. But the one thing that has kept me going is praying constantly and reading my Bible and reading scripture and learning about why God had put me on this planet and that there's no reason that I need to feel like my life needs to be taken away because I am not good enough because in God's eyes, God put me on this earth to be so much better than I have ever imagined. And through the prayer and the communication with God, I have found myself, I have found my calling. And if you don't know, it's to be a youth pastor. So um, God has worked so tremendously in my life and I totally think that if if you are struggling with that prayer and that communication with God just let it all go let it to him because he will perform absolute miracles in your life and make you feel like you are a million times better than you could ever imagine and to you (laughs) (laughs) there you go community there you go you heard it from the mouth of the young person, this is what they need from us, the support to be able to have those revelations, to have those times, to be able to really build them up and be able to say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And to know that we are here for you in everything and in every way. Consistency. Consistency. And sometimes it's a tough one for people because of the fact that we live in and out lives or we live those lives where we're together for a short duration of time, maybe just for a moment, maybe just for a circumstance, and then we're on to the next. But young people need us as a community to show up consistently. 
I'm reminded constantly by my staff who are responsible for the care and nurturing of young people every day that the number one greatest thing that is a predictor of success in a child's life is relationship. And the only way that relationship can happen is through consistently being there. And so here's the challenge, number one, folks. If we're going to talk about how we as a community start to take action steps, to now be that community, to be that tree, to be the ones that nurture, that grow, that develop young people into responsible adults, into warriors for God. Here's the first thing. Get ready to show up for the long haul. If you're not ready to get in it for the long haul, don't get in it. Do not get in it. Why? Because of the fact that you can inadvertently do more damage and more harm than good. If you are in and out and in and out and in and out. Why? Because young people learn that that's how people deal with them. They don't trust. They don't themselves figure out how to create depth in relationships. They're more afraid that, you know what, if I try to open myself up to you, you may be gone. And so where do I go from here? Now I'm vulnerable as well. So that's the first big thing. Get in it for the long haul. We have a reflection of this in the scripture, and thank God we do. Matthew 28, 20. When Jesus was leaving his disciples and ascending into heaven, he said this to them. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That was his promise. What was Jesus telling them in layman's terms? I'm here for the long haul. I'm in it. And so we have that as a model. We have that as a pinpoint in terms of, well, if Jesus can be that way, and I am the embodiment of Jesus Christ on earth, then guess what? By default, I have to accept that as my responsibility to get in it for the long haul and use that as a pleasant promise. Allow my life to be a mirror for the way that God deals with us. It is so wonderful, and I thank God every day that he's with me for the long haul. You know what? So if I am accepting of that gift... I don't want to be hypocritical. I want to be the one that becomes a reflection of that. So now I am with you. We are with each other until the end of age. So congratulations. Welcome to our relationship as a community. (laughs) Number two, how do we start to prepare ourselves? Use the gifts that God has given to each and every single one of us. Proverbs 9 and 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When Solomon was given an opportunity to receive anything, anything in the world by God, what was it that he said he wanted? Wisdom. Because if I have wisdom, I can get everything else, right? So the greatest gift that we can give our young people as a community is what? Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. That's absolutely right. For us, but for them, and to be able to pass that pearl along. So here's what wisdom looks like in terms of getting into the relationships with young people. Number one, you are good enough as you are. Claire, thank God I talked to you this week because you actually sparked that one in me, and I had never thought about it that way. That as a parent, sometimes I struggle with my kids. Or as a professional, I struggle with my young people because of the fact that I get on this kick of I have to be perfect. And Claire said to me, you know what, sometimes good enough is good enough, right? The fact that I'm here, I'm present, is sometimes more 
worth any gold and to supersede any desire to be perfect. I am never going to be perfect. As much as I train, as much as I develop, as much as I teach, as much as I coach, I'm never going to be perfect. So that's a false strive point. But what is it that can be truth? The recognition through wisdom that I am good enough. And that's good enough. Number two, I can share in the joy and in the gift of life. I can share in those moments with them. I can be excited, enthusiastic, overwhelmed. One of the best people I've ever seen in my life who represents this better than anybody is Don Coppola. Don, I have seen you time and time again through just the small things get so excited and enthusiastic and what that does for those young people and how that mirrors itself through the life age. That's important, folks, that we ready, we're ready to show up and we're ready to show up excited, enthusiastic. That's what's in the box. That's the stuff not to forget when we put away the things of childhood. Don't forget how to be excited about simple things. A two-year-old ties their shoe for the first time. Yes! Right? You got it. All the way to an 18-year-old who says, hey, I got into college. Yes! My 25-year-olds, I got engaged. Yes! Right? Let's get excited. Because we get excited, they get excited. And in turn, and it creates a ripple effect. And I'm going to tell you what, folks, that's infectious. That's some good infection. And sometimes, if you think about it this way, you may be a little bit leery about getting into it. John Lewis said this, sometimes you got to get into what? Good trouble. So let's always convict ourselves and commit ourselves to getting in good trouble by being excited, about being enthusiastic, about being in the lives of youth as a community, impacting their lives. Proverbs. Proverbs 22.6. One of the most powerful, powerful scriptures that all of us should adapt if we want to be in the lives of youth, impacting and influencing. Proverbs 22.6 says this. Train a child in the way that he should go, and even when they are old, they will not depart from it. People, there it is. There it is. There's the promise. There's the thing that is the mission. There's the thing that we aspire to, to train up a child in the way that they should go, giving them the right tools, the right resources, the right wisdom, the right knowledge, putting them on the right pathway. When we do that in commitment, and we speak over their lives the name of Jesus and we bless them for a lifetime. They won't depart from it. If you're like me, you might go a little bit sideways, but you're not going to depart from the track. So what does that look like? How do we demonstrate that action? Well, here's a few ideas of seeds that can help to produce that fruit. Number one, prioritize them and let them know that they matter. Number two, listen a lot more, talk seldom. Knowing that they're heard is important to them. Commit to being truthful always. Young people know. They know if you're sincere. They know if you're honest. And guess what? They know in 30 seconds. I will say that is correct. I will say. <laughs> Absolutely. So make sure you're committed to being truthful. Set the bar of expectation high. Let them rise to it, right? What does that feel like if somebody sets the bar low for you? Like I'm not good enough? Like you're not good enough. But they're telling me that I'm not, I'm not going to amount to anything. So. so setting that high bar and let them rise to it. It's a struggle. But in the struggle lies the glory. So set that high bar for them. 
celebrate their successes. The small things always lead to big things. Here's the thing. Here's the tricky one, right? Learn to love yourself. If you love yourself, you can't help but emanate love. Learn to love yourself. There's an African proverb that talks about loving yourself, and one of the things that they talk about is often and frequently kissing your hands. Bless yourself. Love yourself. Learn how to do that. Learn to look in the mirror and chuckle. Right? (laughs) That's important. And lastly, one of the big things for me is build a foundation in love, wisdom, patience, discernment, and humility. Those are the tickers. If you can have a young person who shifts into adulthood and can do that knowing that they have love, wisdom, patience, discernment, and humility, it's a full toolbox when they enter into the rest of their life. So opportunities. Opportunities. Let's talk a little bit about opportunities. What are opportunities that exist in this church, in this town, in our global community, ways that people can get involved in the lives of young people. What's one of them, Kennedy? Being a coach. Being a coach. What's a coach done for you in your life? Oh, gosh, a lot. Um, I guess it depends on, I mean, sports-wise, I mean, I've had tons of coaches that have pushed me to the point where I am now, which is, like, an amazing place, and I couldn't be more happier. Um, I've had life coaches who have taught me the, the little things in life matter and being able to bring joy to the little things and to life, even though it feels like it may suck sometimes, <laughs> to just bring joy. Um, mentors, being a mentor, you can do so much. And just being, being there to talk to someone and sharing their experiences with them. Um, just get involved, I'd recommend getting involved with the youth because it's super important. There's tons and tons of ways that you can do so much for the youth. And I have had tons of adults that have done so much for me in my life. So you can be a volunteer. Um, my dad, no, like he's the CEO of the Boys and Girls Club, has tons of volunteers that volunteer every day to work and to help the youth out and to help serve them to teach them, help them with school, whatever they may need, they have tons and tons of volunteers that, is, that are there. Um, you can be a tutor. Tutoring. Especially right. nowadays, right now, we need tutors uh, more than ever. Yes, yes, we do. Absolutely. In COVID times. Um, I know I struggled with school and learning online, and I had people there to help me out and tutor me. I remember my dad and I staying up till about, 2 a.m. drinking Red Bulls at the kitchen table trying to get done with school. So, <laughs> tutor. <laughs> you can be a spectator. Sometimes just being there. Sometimes I know personally, if I, if let's say I was going through a depressive episode where I was really, really sad, sometimes just having people there and knowing that they care about you and they love you. You don't have to be there to speak to them. You don't have to be there to give them advice or to just listen. You just have to be there and be in their presence, sometimes that can change the world for someone. So just being there, or being a spectator of their life, being a spectator at their sports events, or whatever they may be into, being a spectator is super important because just being there can change someone's life. Um, 
and just be available with your time, talents, and treasures. You never know what someone may be going through. And being there, available with those things are super important because it can teach someone, it can show them what how life can be so much better than they could have ever imagined. And when we're young, we see life from a very skewed perspective because we don't have the whole world in front of us. We just have this little skewed perspective. And if we have someone there to teach us about life and what they've been through, their challenges, their experiences, our perspective comes from this little fishbowl all the way to this big, huge perspective. And we're able to teach others then and share that wisdom and that knowledge that we have with other people. So. As we close out, I want to give a special thank you, Scott and Claire, to both of you. A little off the cuff, but give me two seconds here. 1992 was the first time I stepped into Crossroads. And there's a guy in the back over there, Jim Staley, who was my best friend in the world, who brought me here with him when we were in college. And little did I know that that amount of time ago would lead to this. And the two of you all along that way have been coaches, mentors, tutors, wisdom agents, cheerleaders for me. And the, the opportunity now for you to be that for my family is worth its way. I don't even know how I could ever thank you enough, but thank you for being the ones to stand in the gap and say, we're going to be that tree. And so I present to you your fruit today. So it takes a village, right? It does take a village. And such a village. And, um, you know, I was just thinking, so you graduated from Albion College. Meet the newest chief of staff over here, Kelly, at, at Albion. You guys get together, talk about youth. I mean, no pressure, but um, I I just want to say that I think about the coaches in our midst, you know, the people that have invested in the football teams and the baseball teams and the cheerleaders. Scott Scott was with the cheerleading coach, um, Chloe uh, Taylor Klingeman. I think that's how it goes now. And um, she was just talking about, you know, her love for those girls and... um, and then this morning, Deanna came up to me and she said, I know that um, you work with people who have survived particular things. I have a bunch of bags I made. Could I give those to them? And I, you know, um, I think about the ways that um, you're standing up and courageously saying you're going to bring your heart to young people, that you want to pastor kids. And I just want to affirm whatever God asks you to do and say, I see Jesus in you, Kennedy. Always have, from the time you were a little girl reading scripture up here, always seen Jesus in you. And, and I think, you know, friends, we, we need communities um, in ways that we've never known before. Like the, the, what we faced this last year for young people, we don't I mean, I can't even imagine what our young people have 
lived through in this last year and what the teachers have lived through, right? All the teachers in this place that, you know, our Sean's so happy he gets to teach live and not online, you know. I, I think that there are, um, you know, ways that I, I know we just, we have an opportunity like we have never seen before. I know you went back to school to teach uh, in the classroom this week, Rose, and, and I, I just think to myself, um, it's been hard, but I wonder what it's going to look like. How many years ago was 1992? Almost 30. I mean, when we were looking at you, we weren't really thinking you were going to be the CEO of Boys and Girls Clubs. I mean, we thought, you're awesome. <laughs> like, you're going to do something awesome, but we couldn't know exactly what it was that you would be doing in 2021. Who would know that? And I just say to all of us, you have no idea what God wants you to do. Keep coaching, Jim, right? Keep encouraging young coaches, Sean. You don't have to coach anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Only kidding, only kidding. It's coaching coaches. I mean, can we all just stand together? And I would love as we take communion today, and I brought you guys the goods. And uh, if you want to open up, both your lids, and then maybe set your cup down and hold this bread, um, that we are one body in Christ, my friends. And I want to hold the bread in a way today that we're thinking of kids and youth, that part of the body. When Jesus would say things like, let the children come to me for such is the kingdom of heaven. And so, yeah, we got to go back to some of our kid ways, right? And so let's just hold this bread and know that the body of Christ is also resident in young people. And even as we hold this bread and remembering, Jesus, that you wanted the children with you at the table, we even hold this bread, and maybe we can hold the hearts of some kids that we know today that are that are called by God, but they don't even know it. They are good enough and they don't even know it. They are, they have a future and they don't even know it. Or maybe they've lost their hope. And we don't even know it because we haven't been watching. And so let's just say to God, would you open up my eyes and heart to the youth that are in my neighborhood? Even as our neighborhood reaches all the way to Haiti and Afghanistan and all over the world. But who right now, God... Are you asking us to hold in our hearts? What children do you want us to see right now? What youth do you want us to see at this moment? And just say their names to God. Would you do that? Just say their names. Just go ahead and list them as they come into your heart and mind. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said, Take this, all of you, eat it. This is my body given for you. And every time you eat, 
remember me. And right now, Jesus, I'm remembering you in all the ways that you held children. And said, this is the kingdom. And the life you gave for generations. Can we just say, Jesus, we remember you. After supper was ended, Jesus took the cup and raised it and said, Take this, all of you, and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant. It is for you and for all people, so that sins will be forgiven. And even as we're holding the cup up now, God, rather than looking at even young people who are struggling and saying, What's wrong with you? May we look at the young people and see Christ in them, the hope that we would not speak against this generation and the things that they're facing and we don't understand, but that we would look to you who said, let them come to me for such is the kingdom of heaven. And that you were saying, this is the new covenant for you and for all people, so that all sins be forgiven. And so may we right now say, Jesus, we remember you. Let's just take a minute, even as we're singing the blessing. To bring those youth right into our heart. And to bless them. Let's bring young people into our hearts right now as we're singing the song.
You know, we don't want full names or phone numbers or serial, social security. Okay, just write their name, put their name up on the board. Let's get the names of youth up on the board today to say we are trusting God with their lives, with their future, with their children. I'm singing over Kennedy with your children and your children and your children's children. She's like, "Mm." (laughs) just not today. And so, and so friends, let's write it down. Your sticky notes are right down, write down those names. And then don't just pray with your words, pray with your actions, you know, make a call to a young person, write them a card at college, give them an encouragement, let them know God sees them, God loves them and maybe send them this message uh, when it goes up. And so we thank you, Kennedy. And your dad, you sidekick. And um, and thank you, Matt. We just, we bless you guys and we bless all of you. Have a beautiful week. Find some young people and give them a good word. Amen? Amen. Amen.